So again, hear now a reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. To be projected on the worship screens behind me, you can also follow along in the Pew Bible in front of you, or if you have an electronic device, you can use that too. Hear the word of the Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And and they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came, this is jumping to verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, there are not many movies that require actors to learn a new language. But in 2004, a box office smash required the lead actor to learn Aramaic. The film won three Academy Award nominations and grossed more than $600 million. And although the film was extremely bloody and violent, it was not a horror movie, it was a religious movie. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's The Passion of the Christ, written and directed by Mel Gibson. You probably know that the movie portrays the life and death of Jesus, focusing mainly on the last 12 hours of his life. The scenes of Jesus being flogged and crucified are presented in graphic detail and are very hard to watch, but they accomplish, in my opinion, they accomplish their purpose. They help us to emotionally connect to the horror of what Jesus went through. And when we connect this emotional experience with the deeply held belief that Jesus did this for us, for you and for me, it has a way of deepening our gratitude, wonder, and awe for the unconditional love that God offers to each of us. When preparing this message, I was surprised to find out that Gibson is working on a sequel, which will probably be called The Passion of the Christ, Resurrection. And it will focus on the three days between the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the actor playing Jesus for the second time says that it's going to be the biggest film in history. It's that good, he says. As I have mentioned in other messages, the word passion comes from the Latin passio, which means suffering. 
And we sometimes forget this when we speak of romantic passion or the passion that we have for things like sports. So I say, I'm passionate about surfing and passionate about gator football. Don't hold it against me. (laughs) But the root of the word passion is suffering, which is made very clear in the film, The Passion of the Christ. And in our scripture reading this morning, it says in the Gospel of Mark that when Jesus encountered a large crowd, he had compassion for them. This verse does not come at the end of his life as the focus of the passion of the Christ is on, but comes at the beginning of his ministry when he was traveling around the region called Galilee. If Gibson was to make a movie about this part of Jesus' life, the best title might be The Compassion of the Christ. Not the passion of Christ, but the compassion of Christ. According to leading experts in the field of New Testament studies, the most defining characteristic of Jesus' life and teachings, what set him apart from other Jewish religious leaders during that time, was his emphasis on compassion. And this really cannot be overstated. His focus was on compassion. Jesus not only talked about compassion, he embodied it in everything that he did. And he commanded those who wanted to follow him to be compassionate as well, especially in relationship to the most vulnerable and outcast in society. And when we read the story of Jesus, it doesn't take long for us to figure out what the word compassion means. Passio means suffering, and the prefix com means with. So compassion literally means to suffer with. To suffer with. Jesus shows compassion towards people around him by sharing in their suffering and helping them bear their suffering. Has God done that for you recently? I've been asking my friends to pray for my mom. My mom is about to have a very risky, life-altering surgery on Monday. And I am so anxious and sad about this. And so I've been praying. I actually started it this morning at the beach, praying before coming here, asking God to help me bear that burden. There's some burdens, I would say most of the burdens that we carry in life, we, I just don't think we can carry them alone. God enters into our suffering and suffers with us and bears our burden. And that's how, as a Christian, I have made it this far in my life. And if that's the case for you, somebody say amen. God is good. And when Jesus does this, when Jesus enters into that space and sits with people in their suffering, it reminds them that they are not alone. For He is the Son of God. And it reveals That when they suffer, it's not just Jesus, the Son, who is with them, but God, the Father, is with them too. And God will help them. The bigger story in the Gospel of Mark that provides the context for the verses that we read this morning is very instructive. In the larger story, Jesus and his disciples are traveling around the countryside, casting out demons and curing the sick. They are working so hard that they can't find time to rest. They can't even have time to eat. So Jesus 
calls the apostles to hop in a boat with him and to go to a deserted place across the Sea of Galilee to enjoy some rest and relaxation. And we often forget that Jesus not only does this himself, but he calls his disciples, and that means you and me, to have periods of rest and relaxation. We have to take Sabbath. But their plans are quickly derailed. The desperately needy people in this region see where Jesus is heading, and they hurry to meet him at that place. So when his boat hits the ground, there is a huge crowd waiting. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were really tired and I was trying to get away from you guys and then you met me at home, I might be a little irritated, right? I mean, let's just be real. But even though Jesus is weary, he doesn't get annoyed or overwhelmed by their needs, and they have incredible needs. He doesn't send them away and say, hey guys, I've been doing ministry all day. I need a break. Go take care of yourselves. No. The author of Mark says that Jesus had compassion on them. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. I just want you to think about it. Do you ever feel sometimes that your problems are just too much to handle on your own? Do you ever feel like you are too much for other people. That when you share your problems, that when you tell your story, that it not only feels overwhelming to you, but it feels overwhelming to them. And your fear is that if you share too much, they're going to think that you got too many problems. Maybe you're a little crazy and they might start distancing themselves from you. The promise of the Gospel is that Jesus will not do that. Your problems are not too big for Jesus. Jesus will not get overwhelmed and distance himself from you. Jesus has the power, the strength, the courage, the patience, the compassion to sit with you. He emotionally, with these people as he does with us, Jesus looks at all of these people and instead of running away from them and saying, I've had too much, he emotionally and spiritually connected to their pain and suffered with them so they would not feel alone. And that might not seem like a lot, friends. But there is, a, there is a suffering in our suffering when we suffer alone. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want you to imagine that you were in a nursing home or you were in a hospital and you were very, very ill and there is no one there to love you and pray for you and hold your hand. I want you to think about how bad that would be. And I want, you to, I want you to imagine that while the physical suffering might go away, if one of your loved ones walked in and sat beside you and held your hand and said, I love you, that would take some of the suffering out of the suffering. So when we say that God suffers with us, we don't say that lightly. It helps. All of us experience various kinds of pain. And that includes your pastor. I want to tell you guys, this last two weeks has been probably the hardest two weeks of the entire time that I've been in Cocoa Beach. For the last five years, this has been a really tough week. All of us go through pain. None of us get an exemption. And the pain is greatly intensified when we feel alone. 
when we feel like no one really understands what we're going through, and when we feel unsupported, when we're left to fend for ourselves. But this is often what happens, right? I mean, it's really hard to sit with someone in their pain, to connect with them heart to heart, to listen not for the purpose of fixing it so that they're not in pain and therefore you won't have to share their pain, but listening for understanding and to offer ourselves in support to them. Have you tried to do this? I mean, this is really hard sometimes, even to do this with the people that we love the most. And because it is so difficult, human beings often don't do it well. People fail us. People hurt us. And sometimes, the people that we love the most leave us feeling alone. And I believe that this is one reason why people were so drawn to Jesus. Because He was able to connect with them with so much compassion and understanding that this was just as healing as His physical touch. That spiritual and emotional healing. His compassion brought healing just as His touch or His cloak brought healing. His compassion supported them so they could find their next steps along the path of life. Switching languages helps us to grasp the word compassion even at a deeper level. As you, as you probably know, the Gospel of Mark was written in Greek. And the Greek word for compassion is more guttural than the Latin word. It means to be moved by something so strongly that you feel it in the pit of your stomach. Have you felt that? I mean, think about the last time that you received some really bad news or you got some really scary news and that pit you feel in your stomach. To have compassion is to meet someone in that place so that not only are they feeling it in the pit of their stomach, you're feeling it in the pit of yours because you love them. And you're, you have empathy, you're connecting. The Greek word means to feel it deep in your guts. Talk about gut-wrenching pain. Understood in this way, Jesus feels the pain of the people in the pit of his stomach. And this is part of what provides his motivation to reach out and help them even when he is exhausted and he wants a break. He feels compassion, not just in his heart. He feels it in his guts. And Jesus calls us to exercise the same kind of compassion. Our goal, my friends, we, we often lose sight of this, but to be a Christian means really one thing, and that is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. This hope possesses me. This is my aim, my plea. You remember the hymn? To be like Jesus. That's the goal. So when we're reading Scripture and we're reading about the life and teachings of Jesus, we're not just reading it for head knowledge. We're asking, how can I imitate Jesus? How can I do what Jesus did so that I can become more like Jesus? So that when people see me and know me, they will see Jesus in my eyes and they will experience the hands and feet of Jesus in my action. 
And so we can't just talk about the compassion of Jesus. We also have to talk about how Jesus calls us to that same kind of compassion. And we have to be honest from the beginning that we all struggle with selfishness and weakness and defensiveness and fear, all of which cause us at times to spiritually and emotionally distance ourselves from others, especially people who hurt or betray us. But Jesus sets an example and He calls us to love others as He has loved us which includes showing heartfelt compassion. We are called to resist our sinful impulses to keep people at arm's length to, and to emotionally and spiritually connect so that we can feel their pain, know their pain, understand their pain in our guts, knowing that this is how God can use us to bring healing to other people, how God motivates us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So the question before us this morning, if we want to follow Jesus, is really simple. Do we have the compassion of the Christ? Are we willing to suffer with people who are hurting all around us? One way we try to show compassion here at First United Methodist Church. And by the way, we have three core values. Authentic. Do you guys know what they are? You know what they are? So one is authentic. Compassionate. Gosh, you guys are going to embarrass me because I'm forgetting the third too. <laughs> authentic, compassionate, and... Huh? Yeah, are you hungry, Scott? We'll get you. We'll, we got some cookies. Uh, Sarah made you some cookies uh, for Matt's thing. Anyway, compassion is one of our core values. Let's just leave it at that, okay? So one of the ways that we show compassion here is by feeding hungry people. That's kind of our our heart for mission. That's our focus. Even though the United States is the one of the wealthiest countries in the world. 35 million Americans are unable to acquire enough food to meet their needs. 35 million people. Over 13 million households experienced, experienced food insecurity in 2019. That was before the pandemic. It got worse after. A problem that almost became overwhelming for different cities around the world trying to feed hungry people during the pandemic. Tragically, this is important, tragically, households with children are more likely to face hunger than households without children. That's a tragedy. When Jesus faces a hungry crowd, His response is simple. He feeds them. Right? I mean, those of us in the church, we're really good at complicating and adding a bunch of things. When Jesus saw a hungry crowd, He didn't sit down and give them a Bible lesson. He didn't argue about theology. He didn't argue about politics. He didn't say, are you worthy? Have you been sinning lately? Maybe if you're good, I'll give you some food, right? He didn't say, if you're Jewish, but maybe not if you're Gentile. He didn't say, if you're a man, but maybe not as a woman. No, He looked at a crowd and it was very simple. Jesus says, when you see hungry people, feed them. He feels compassion for hungry people and He acts on it. 
And in order to imitate Jesus, we support several ministries aimed at feeding hungry people. And this has been the passion, our mission focus that's just kind of naturally developed over the last five years. We are launching a new food pantry next Sunday in the fellowship hall. And Michael, it just occurs to me that I forgot to make your announcement about that. But Michael, raise your hand. Michael is in charge of this team that's starting this food pantry. And we're starting next Sunday. It's going to be a wonderful ministry. And you can get more information. He's got a handout he can give you with more information about how you can get involved. This Tuesday evening, as I've already mentioned, we are packing food for hungry children through the Children's Hunger Project of Bavard. We just collected an offering last Sunday to feed hungry children lunch at the high school outside of El Sante in El Salvador. Just as we have supported feeding projects with One Body Global Ministries in Nicaragua. And we provide food baskets to hungry people during the Thanksgiving season. And these are just a few ways that we try to show the compassion of Jesus to those that are hungry. Our main challenge, my friends, is to develop the ability, and it takes practice, it takes a lot of intentional practice, but to develop the ability to suffer with people as Jesus did, as an expression of love, understanding, and support. And I don't want to preach a whole other sermon, because I know we got a lot more to do. But I'm going to tell you that we live in a culture that is afraid of pain. We live in a culture that is allergic to suffering. And I think that some of the worst things that plague our culture, whether it's alcohol and drug addiction or other behavioral addictions, whether it's the entertainment industry, I believe that one of the things that plagues our culture more than anything else is that we're trying to find, constantly trying to find ways to not suffer, to distract and to console to pretend that everything is okay. And so, if you want to be like Jesus, and you want to enter into that space and suffer with people to give them support and understanding, you're not only going to be fighting a lot of internal constraints like selfishness and fear and defensiveness, but you're also going to be swimming against the current of our culture that says, when you hurt, here's a drink. Here's a new Netflix series. You don't have to hurt. Right? So it takes a lot of intentionality and practice. And as we commit to doing this, we must also remember that the compassion of Jesus has no boundaries. We are to extend it to anyone who has need. That's the only requirement. Do you need compassion? Well then, I need to give it to you. Regardless of whether you are young or old, man or woman, black or white, rich or poor, moral or immoral. Jesus did not discriminate in the way that He loved and suffered with others, and neither should we. So, I want to end with this. What would it look like for you to respond to the call of Jesus today to have compassion on those that He's put in your life? Is there someone in your life right now who really needs your compassion? Go ahead and scroll through your circle of influence. Who needs it? Is it possible 
that God has brought that person into your life and that you're missing it. The person is spiritually and emotionally crying out for compassion. But maybe you're focused on something else. Who is that person in your life? Is there someone that needs your compassion? And what would it look like if you left church today and joined them in their pain? What would it look like for you to set aside some time to listen for real understanding? To feel what they are feeling deep in your guts and to offer real support. How might this help set them free? How might God use you in this act of obedience to help heal another person? And how might this act heal you? May God bring that person to mind. And may God motivate you to reach out today. Amen.